Stampede. Garner isn't number 43. Recorded April 4th, 2020.
the inscription on the sarcophagus of the famous Italian 15th century painter Raphael can be found in the Pantheon at Rome and reads, Here lies that famous Raphael, by whom nature feared to be conquered while he lived, and when he was dying, feared herself to die. End quote from Wikipedia. It's said that illusions are difficult to create. Great painters in the past were masters in producing illusions. If you lived in the 15th century in what was part of the papal state and is now a section of Italy, the great ones used their craft to tell a story. After Raphael's death at the age of 37, Michelangelo accused him of plagiarism and claimed everything he knew about art came from Michelangelo's own hand. Rivalry between brilliant Renaissance masters was commonplace. But that's not what I want to talk about. It was the gift of genius for communicating visually, producing what we, over the ages, acknowledge our masterpieces. In most cases, when created, those works had little effect on the general population. They were done for patrons, powerful individuals, largely theological in concept. Raphael was fortunate to have been born to a father who worked as an artist in the court of Urbino. At the age of six, Raphael was apprenticed to work and learn to be an artist in his father's workshop. And this is what I'm getting at. If you look closely at the works of Raphael, Michelangelo, or da Vinci, you can see something that can't exist today. It can't be done because the time in which they lived determined how they thought. And it's interesting to note the inscription on Raphael's sarcophagus says so much about how people, especially great artists, lived. Raphael was connected to the forces of the natural world.
And that's something we've lost. Consumerism continues to ask us to look beyond the natural world. And it tells us profits are what we need. Now, I'm not a religious man. And clearly, 15th century Italian Renaissance paintings dealt with proselytizing Christianity. But I'm not talking about faith in religion. No, I'm talking about the system that exists in our daily lives that form how we think. And the manner in which we live today can't possibly produce the connection that existed in the life of someone like Raphael. No, in Raphael's, Michelangelo's, or da Vinci's work, there isn't the slightest hint of consumerism. No, what you'll see is an intense understanding of the physical world, the emotional world, the psychological world of humanity connected to nature. It's always there. It's seen in the backgrounds of these great works, dramatic landscapes, pastoral scenes, the clouds in the sky, in all of their work, it reveals how they lived their lives. They were highly skilled craftsmen, creating illusions, connected to something they understood and lived with. And that's something that can't be found today. We can't see things as they did. And yet today among people, there is longing to understand that. It's no secret that what we live with in this world is antithetical to where we came from. There is an emptiness, and I'm not talking about the loss of faith in religion. No, it's a connection to the land, to the forests, to the sky, and we no longer feel that. You see, You've been turned into something that doesn't belong to the natural world. You're artificial, and you believe an artificial intelligence will work for you. Thank you.
but it won't cure what ails you. I'm not an art historian, so I can't give an analysis of one of Raphael's most significant paintings. Some historians claim that from the 16th century to the 20th, Raphael's painting, The Transfiguration, was the most beautiful painting in the world. I might not be in agreement with that, but I would recommend anyone who wants to see something beautiful that they might want to view it. It's deeply religious, and I'm not recommending that you look at it because of that. As I said, I'm not religious. The painting was Raphael's last work. He actually died unexpectedly before completing it. Today, the transfiguration can be found in Vatican City. It depicts the point in which Christ is revealed as more than a mortal. And I don't want to talk about that. The painting technically is masterful. It moves the eye. It creates emotion, something that can't be felt in the world of artificial intelligence or the world of consumerism. The painting says something we may not be able to understand. And I don't mean from a perspective of Christianity. Today, this intensity of a moment can't exist in our world unless it comes from an abstraction, a number, a formula, a calculation, a manipulation to buy the next new thing. No, Raphael couldn't understand that because he belonged to something else. It wasn't just the event of biblical importance. No, he had spent a life studying something about human interaction, the human body, and where we came from. It's certainly a painting about Christianity, but that's not what I'm seeing. The blindness of consumerism that takes us away from the humanity Raphael was painting. The reality that we're a part of something we should never turn away from. We belong to something more than prophets. And no, I'm not talking about the teaching of Christianity. What's happening around the world is transformative. The coronavirus is going to touch all of our lives. The arrangements, the systems that have been in place are being challenged by COVID-19. And the disorder that's just beginning will be a long-term emergency. Consumerism isn't going to allow the plundering of values to stop. To be sure, the American public is well-armed and you can bet your last dollar they're trying to put all the pieces back together. Trying to put all the pieces back together won't be peaceful. The propagandists that tried to convince you everything was all right, just so long as there was a profit, aren't going to fade away. The people who believed in destroying for the sake of making a profit aren't going to let that stop. 
real sound information free from distortions will be difficult to find. But then again, structural disruptions like rolling blackouts, large-scale foreign military conflicts, wholesale rioting in metropolitan settings are just around the corner. The trust horizon is about to be swallowed up in chaos. This is not going to be without pain. Methods and operations are going to result in human interaction relying on force with a world of uncertainty. The dishonesty that consumerism bred won't be thrown to the curb. The violence and fraud that consumerism spawned won't dissolve in thin air. No, what's coming is toxic to what you breathe. And if you think it's just COVID-19, you're in for some big surprises. It might be the second law of thermodynamics. And what we're all going to be faced with is a multiplicity of systems, a form of entropy, a breaking apart of order, forming a new balance. We're entering an inflection point, a transformation, and it's not going to be anything like what Raphael envisioned. His world was connected to nature, unlike consumerism.
Life wasn't easy in the 15th century, and I don't presume to tell you it wasn't free from corruption, from violence, from childhood mortality amid plagues and diseases. But in their ignorance, in their poverty, they understood the natural world. And unlike today, the people of the 15th century could never have turned their backs on the one thing they knew they were a part of. They needed the natural world to survive. It was their challenge to live with. We've turned away from that, and it's produced a false meaning for us, a dangerous meaning. The artificial world that consumerism has been bringing to us has been seriously challenged by COVID-19. The belief that our manifest destiny was tied to profits has produced dangerous values. To look and see life in the context of nature is what Raphael understood. And today, there could never be someone like that in our society. We think differently than Raphael thought. The coronavirus is ravaging. It's destroying millions of lives. And what is coming after it will be difficult to say. This isn't the end. It's the beginning to something new. And if it turns us back to seeing how to live closer to the thing we left behind, then the disease that has come for us may not just be the weapon it is to our society. It, like the fires that have destroyed parts of the world, will make us see what we've become. Consumerism and the people that have lived by it aren't going to let it fade away. This isn't going to be like getting a ticket to a sporting event or buying something to remove the wrinkles on your face. No, this is going to be very painful and will not be able to return to what people thought were the good old days. You see, that was part of the illusion that consumerism was feeding us. 15th century Renaissance artists were in touch with the natural world, and nothing could have been more inspirational than unearthing one of the most iconic sculptures in the world. In a vineyard outside of Rome in 1506, an ancient Greek sculpture was found buried in the ground. It's called Laocoon and his sons. At the time, Michelangelo was instrumental in excavating this huge white marble sculpture. It's of Laocoon, a Trojan priest, and his two sons being attacked by sea serpents. It's been called the iconic image of human agony in Western art, reported to have been created by three sculptors from the island of Rhodes somewhere between 27 BC and 68 AD. But unlike many religious artistic representations of redemption, 
it shows only suffering, something that the coronavirus is bringing. In mythology, Laocoon suffered his death by the gods, not only because he warned his fellow Trojans about accepting the gift of the Greek wooden horse, but because he was right, a question of fate. This week on Garner Isn't, you first heard Dame Janet Baker singing Where Corals Lie by Edgar Algar. Then a section of Igor Stravinsky's The Rite of Spring, followed by another cut from The Rite of Spring. Next, Modeste Mazursky's Pictures at an Exhibition, an 1874 composition. And to end, Night on Bald Mountain. In 1886, five years after Mazorsky's death, Rimsky-Korsakov made an orchestral composition of Mazorsky's work, which is today widely considered Night on Bald Mountain. Stampede, written and performed by Edward Garner, in Morro Bay and Paso Robles, California.